Ready to light that fire by doing the things that make you come alive? Welcome to Health Raisers, a podcast for wise women. I'm your host, Dr. Nadine. I left a soul-crushing medical career full of bad news and evolved into a joyful health integration coach, helping hundreds of women find their healthy. You're more than your dress size. Stop putting up with toxic relationships, swallowing your true emotions, and sacrificing your mental health. Stop using your body as a battlefield. You're always giving. You deserve to put yourself first, not just for your sake, but for those you love. Wise women, let's make ourselves a priority right now. It's time to raise some health together. If you're ready to take the first step, visit npkhealthintegration.com and take the free questionnaire to assess where you are in your health journey right now. And if you're ready to take a bolder step into possibility with your health journey, email me at npk at npkhealthintegration.com to learn more about classes and coaching. Today, my guest is Kira Higgs. Kira is a structural consultant, strategist, athlete, meditator, and podcaster in the making. Kira is a friend. She has been one of my coaches in a previous workshop I took. So encouraging. I will never be able to thank you enough for reaching out to me when I most needed it. I don't know if you know this, but you did that for me. And I needed that gentle nudge to become a better storyteller. So thank you, Kira, for being here. I cannot wait to begin having this lovely conversation about health with you. Me too. So excited to be here. All right. And I do remember that moment, by the way. That was a very precious moment. Thank you for being so open to the support. And the extended hand. So thank you. All right, Kira. I am curious to begin. When I say healthy woman, what does being a healthy woman, what does health, what comes to mind for you? Well, it, it would have to start with the physical for sure, because you know we, have, we all have bodies and I value health because my health allows me to do a lot of the things that I want to do. So health is about vitality. It's about having the energy that I need to get up and go, to think well, to meet the moment, to sit in meditation for hours or days at a time. These days, health is is a very interesting topic because I'm older. As you know, that's the, the benefit of living longer. Um, but my body is responding differently to things and mm-hmm. I have to pay more attention in new ways. So health is also about listening and being respectful of what my body is suggesting it wants and needs. And I suppose as well, it's worth mentioning mental health. I'm very blessed that I've had a a good physically healthy life, but also mentally. I've been in pretty good shape my whole life. Um, I've only had a couple of times of real blues. And one I think had to do with my semester in college when I think we had four days the entire semester that weren't raining. Mm. And I got pretty... I'm pretty down from that, but that gave me such exposure to what it feels like to have a a perspective that you can't shake. 
Um, but that was, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. That was really the one of the few times in my life where that happened. So that's how I would describe health. So take me back to a time when this state of mind, because clearly you think about it. This It sounds like from your answer, this is uh, your physical well-being, your mental well-being is something that you really value. So take me to a time maybe when it was different, not so much in the past. Well, I've had broken bones. <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> not health. Uh, I took a a spill over the handlebars of my bicycle about 12 years ago. Mm. Landed on my chin, oh, took gosh. all the weight of my body on my chin, and both the condyles in my jaw snapped and broke. And it was non-repairable. So I went to the emergency room. They took x-rays. Nobody thought in the beginning there was really anything wrong with me until the x-rays came back. And then they were all so sympathetic <laughs> and, and kind. And, 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 and their touch changed when they realized they really were dealing with a broken bird. Um, that month I had my wire, my mouth wired shut mm. and could only eat through a straw. I lost a lot of weight. Um, and I was so emotionally stunned by it all. I, I couldn't even spend much time with people. So people would, my friends would make me soups, you know, bring them over and leave them on the doorstep or depending on how their heart and my heart interfaced. I could let them in the house and spend some time with them. Um, but that was um, that was probably the most significant time in my life of, of facing a pretty big health challenge. Okay. So let's talk about the mental component there because you mentioned, you know, it was the one time in college where you sort of had the blues because of the weather. But having such a significant physical injury does impact your social, emotional, mental well-being. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, let me use some terms that I think of from a meditator's standpoint. Mm. Mm. Uh, the break shattered something in me, not just the bones. It, it shattered an orientation that I had. And it it's much like when, when we have a loved one who dies and reality doesn't look the same before and after. Something really has significantly impacted more than the body, more than the mind. Um, I, I guess I would say the spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me in that moment, uh, in that month, and, and even after, because it, it lasted for longer than that, the strong woman, the woman who's independent, who can do it all on her own, could not at all. And I, I, I did feel like a broken bird. The thing is, it wasn't awful to feel that way. It was a huge change. It, just the perspective, the orientation was a 180. But when I let myself just be with it and not argue with it or fight it, it became something that I experienced much more as an opening to grace. I'm not going to say I love that it happened. I'm not going to say I made lemonade out of lemons. I'm only going to (laughs) say that I met it honestly so Mm. that what could be gained from it, I feel like I gained. And that I suppose you could say it took fortitude to do it, but mostly for me, it took vulnerability and surrender. Mm. And I'll tell you a funny story about what happened then. I was supposed to do a retreat with a board of directors that were doing a strategy session. And this was for a private school uh, in the community where I live. And I reached out to the executive director and I said, hey, this thing happened. I can't open my mouth any more than this. And, And then we were speaking on the phone and I, I was talking like this. That's the best I could do. Would you like to have another facilitator? Would you like to move the date to another month? You know, what would you like? And he said, no, 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 we want you. We want you. I said, all right. So 
we did the session. It was probably a five or six hour retreat. And afterwards, one of the board members came up to me and I had known of him because he was an elected official in my town. He came up to me and he said, I've never seen anybody facilitate a meeting like you did. That was amazing. That was so... And I hadn't done it like that before either. What they were getting was the unvarnished me. They weren't getting the polished professional face. They were getting something that was more essential and they could feel it and I could feel it. And that was also a game changer for me in my work. And now here's an ad from our sponsor. In the mood for coffee, tea, yummy pastries, or cool swag? My friends at Infusco have got you covered. Infusco Coffee Roasters is a cozy neighborhood coffee joint in Sawyer and St. Joseph, Michigan. Infusco stands for a healthy community. They craft irresistible seasonal drinks, sourcing local artisans' products. The flavors shine from quality ingredients, and their beans are roasted on site they do not hide behind tons of sugar. Every time I go, I'm greeted by my name with a smile. Bad service is just non-existent. It feels like stepping into a friend's living room. They keep it personal. Old school, eclectic coffee mugs on the wall, fun merch, including stickers designed by artists, t-shirts, and sweatshirts. It's the perfect place to get to know your neighbors and chat with tourists. You will always find people deep in conversation. Special events keep it fresh. Community, health, the heart of Sawyer. That's in Fusco. I hope to meet you there. So talk to me a little bit about strength and identity, because it seems like you had a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a reckoning with this idea of strength. Did that change for you? Totally. So one of the things I know about myself is that I will stay really receptive and really open to most situations until you know some invisible line I've made up gets somehow crossed or you know whatever. And then I can start to retreat. There's a uh, a, a GIF I sent, or GIF, GIF, I don't know quite what the right pronunciation is, that I sent to one of my girlfriends. And it's this armadillo that closes up really fast and then rolls around. And I said, this is what mm. I do. Mm. I feel like I have to protect. Mm. And, and she laughed out loud because she knows me very well. She's like, yeah, 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 I got that. Strength for me isn't the armadillo with the armor, which it frankly, used to be. used to be tough and impenetrable and stand up to anything soldier on. Now, strength for me is meeting reality, being honest about things, feeling into the moment about what's appropriate or inappropriate and responding, uh, which may look different now than it did 10 minutes ago. So it's about being present. I mean, really present and really... And I'm not saying I do this well all the time, um, but strength is more about opening now and bringing some part of, well, my heart, my mind, my awareness to open when I'm meeting something that's unknown or uncomfortable um, or that my reptilian brain would perceive as a threat, including to my self-image. You talked about identity. So if I have a self-image thing going on, um, strength is not not playing into it, not feeding it, not indulging, going, oh yeah, it's that old thing. It's that old thing where I think this, let's move on. So does this perspective inform the way you interact in community? 
How does it inform the way you think about being healthy in community and being supported by a healthy community? Again, Nadine, it's it's so context dependent. So oftentimes for me, my relationship with community is one of honoring and and respecting my desire for solitude. And so being on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ironically, right now I'm in an Airbnb and I didn't know the geography of the area before I booked it. It happens to be in a pretty rowdy part of town, (laughs) which isn't (laughs) what I would normally select. Uh And I got here and I went, oh, like there's something that's... That's interesting about being in an area that wants to wake some part of me up that would rather not respond to a crowd, that would rather not respond to um, something a little noisy, a little a little ruckus uh, that that would want just silence. And so right now, strength is saying, "Huh? Well, I hear the crowds outside cheering the World Cup soccer game going on right now. That's interesting. I wonder what it looks like." And so I left my little oasis and ventured out into the crowd and hung out with them for a while. And then when it was too much for me to, it was still getting cold and I couldn't see the broad, the, what do they call those? The plasma TV very well because of the crowd. I said, okay, well now it's time to go back inside. I wonder if my host has this on TV. And sure enough, I turned the TV on and and there was Messi and the Argentinian and the, and the French playing the finals. And I watched the final, what, 15 minutes, just reveling that I'd been with the crowd and then I could see it up close and I could watch these amazing athletes. And it was it was a moment to moment experience of community, relationship and right relationship. Because I've interacted, I met you in a coaching context. I'm, I have no doubt because you are such a thinker, such a thoughtful person. How have you thought about the idea of community in community in the work that you have done coaching and and in the other work that you've done at being an athlete a strategist a structural consultant and then beyond that friends family you know i cycle i like long distance cycling and one of the beautiful things i learned when i started doing that about 15 years ago was how to ride in a group and there's this flavor of being with these people that you may only be with for one Saturday for four hours and a different group the next Saturday for four or five hours. And they're moving together and you have to be really awake. If you aren't paying attention to the cyclist in front of you, you might run into their tire and cause an accident for everyone behind you, not just yourself. So there's this organic flow And hopefully flow. I mean, sometimes the people who'll be in those groups are really not aware of the others and they're not aware of the traffic and they create a hazard for the whole group. I I just think that's a great metaphor. You read my mind. I'm smiling really big at you right now because I was thinking, ooh, I can't wait for the metaphor that's coming. Yeah, because I move into that community and I'm with them and I care about them. We're all, if anybody gets a flat tire, the whole group stops and we wait for the repair. We communicate with hand signals. We communicate with voices where the person at the back of the line is yelling out when a car is approaching mm. so that we know to make mm-hmm. sure we're all the way to the right. Mm. The person in front is indicating when there's anything in the road that we, you know, met a glass or twigs or anything that we need to so all this communication is happening speeding up and slowing down and making turns and i found at first it was really hard for me to slide into that mode and then it became much more natural 
to participate mm. and to feel them. It's like a, you have to almost like etherically experience being together because I'll never know their stories. I'll never know who they go home to when the bike ride is over. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll know how often they swig their water or their sport drink. Um, when I work with groups, it's my job to be the ride leader. So I I pay a lot of attention to what's happening with groups. And it's my job to extract their best thinking and their best ideas so that when they leave there, they have the best shot possible at achieving what they want to achieve together. So maybe that's how I think about health in the context of my work when I'm with a group. How, how can I position the group to be in the to the greatest advantage for what they want to achieve, whatever that is. In that description, it also sounds like you learn how to follow as well when it's important to follow. For me, like I've been in groups where I've reveled when somebody else stepped up with a really big idea or a direction. And if they were in if they were right, my goodness, let it out. Let's go there. Uh, so it's not about for sure it's not about power. Mm-hmm. It's about what's the most that can happen here. And yeah, it does sometimes mean following, but I don't really think of it as following as much as I think of it as listening and responding. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I could see how it could be tricky to, for a dominant personality to know, and I'm not saying that's what you are, but uh, a more dominant, more type A person um, who is not used to taking direction or following or trusting. Or has something to prove. Yes. I see that quite a bit professionally in these circles. Um, talented, capable, really well-meaning people who also, along with all of that, have something to prove. And I think, you know, back to your question about strength, I do think real strength comes when you don't have to prove anything. You're just going about creating what you want to create. And by the way, with the Pelotons and the cycling, what happens is the ride leader is not in the front pulling everybody the whole time. They would be exhausted if they did that. People hmm. rotate. So the ride leader, anyone who's in front will pull the group for however long they can and stay strong. Then they swing to the left side. This is on in the US cycling on the right side of the road. The person in front will swing to the left when there's no car coming. Keep pedaling while all the other riders go along beside them so that they can hop on the tail end. And the person who was behind them is now pulling the group so that it creates a draft for everybody behind. And the ride leader can be anywhere in there. They don't have to be the one who's you know doing the majority of the work for the whole ride. So that's another interesting part of the metaphor. Everyone's contributing. And some, sometimes I've been in those groups, mostly with, with men, and I am not as strong as them. And so I'll get to the front and I'll be a little panicked thinking, oh my God, we're going to go slower than they want to go but I'm in front and I want to pull and I give it my all and it may be only for two minutes or four minutes and then I, I drop back, but I've, I've, I've pulled for as long as I could, as hard as I could. And there's something satisfying about that sprint. I'm so glad you explained this. I, I feel like this is going to be a gift that just keeps on giving. I'm going to think about this for a long time because you've shifted my idea of what leading is. It's more nuanced. It's not black and white. It's not always having to be in the front or always having to have the answer, always having to be right. It is about listening to yourself as well, listening to others, um, being vulnerable. Mm, Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, I don't mind being corrected if I'm wrong with a group. Mm. Like, and 
you know, when they see that, I think it creates a certain freedom for them too. Mm. We don't have to be right all the time. Yeah. And that was another word that came to mind, restricted. Um, as a leader, feeling very restricted by your own expectations of what leading should be and how that can yeah, actually have, hamper your performance as a leader. I have to say, you know, we could do a whole other conversation about that. Mm-hmm. I, I am stunned now by the number of leadership books and articles and magazines and podcasts and blogs that are filling people's minds with ideas about leadership that I think are so off. It's trying to teach a behavior of a leader that someone's analyzed and decided this is the way to act. And I don't think leadership works that way at all. So what are some examples? Well, I stopped subscribing to the Harvard Business Review because I just couldn't stomach what they were doling out. When people talk about how to be your authentic self, well, you're, you're... you're functioning in the world and you're doing something. You're doing you. Who, who's to say that that's not authentic? It's what you're doing right now. So it is an expression of you. It may not be what you wanted to say. Well, say, well, that's not what I meant to say. What I really meant to say was this. But instead, there's these formulas and there's these um, designs. And people think they have to uh, conform and conduct themselves according to a certain pattern that they've been told is the pattern of leadership. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to me to see that. It, it's it's um, it's very wrongheaded. So what I'm hearing is context and letting go of the cognitive distortion of all or nothing or the one of black and white thinking. Authenticity. When I hear people talk about authenticity right now in the culture, I think I've interpreted it as honesty and and not being manipulative um, in work settings, putting on a costume of knowingly moving players on the chessboard to get what you want. To me, that is how I've interpreted being inauthentic or not being able to say someone in your work setting appearing a little bit vulnerable or being able to say, I'm wrong about this, or I got this wrong for fear of retribution. To me, as how I've been thinking of inauthenticity is not being able to show up in the best way that you could that would benefit the environment for everyone. But I do hear what you're saying. It could be looked at, being an authentic person could be looked at as I'm showing up this way as honestly as I can because the situation asks that I show up this way. Why not just be straight? People just be straight. I think that is more, yeah, it's more than authenticity. We could, we could. But if you are in a situation where people are not comfortable to be honest in a toxic environment, then it's hard for you to be straight. It's not necessarily going to be accepted. And then it's a choice. It's a choice to talk straight and be there, Mm -hmm. talk straight and be asked to leave, decide to leave because you don't want to be in an environment where you can't talk straight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And making, I make that kind of choice very deliberately. There's, I'm fortunate that I adore the clients I work with and I tend to attract people that are the kind of people I want to work with. And I have said no to organizations and to, and to individuals that I know would not fit or match me because they don't want to operate at the level of truth that I want to operate at. Wow. I've learned a lot about healthy community here. Thank you. So I think this is a great place to ask you. If you were to ask the women in our virtual living room, 
about their health, what is a question you would have for them? An invitation. First, I love that you have a virtual living room full of women. Yay. That's so cool. Hello. Hello, women in Nadine's virtual living room. It's very, very wonderful to meet you. Mucho gusto. <laughs> Uh, I would I would ask them because my I'm watching my mother age and lose some of her nimbleness and flexibility and strength. I would ask, what are you doing for yourself on a regular basis to stay as physically strong as you can and as physically mobile and flexible as you can, so that your body will last you a good long time and it will feel wonderful to be in that body for as long as you have it. Kira, thank you once again for another rich conversation. I'm better because I've had this conversation with you. And Nadina, I want to take this opportunity. I should have said it at the opening, but to thank you for being the coach in my podcaster's workshop. It was you who encouraged me to take it when I asked you about it. You said it's full of technical learning. It's And I, we all both know the people who would be participating are amazing, but your gift in that workshop was so generous and so welcome, not just by me, but by all who participated in your call. So thank you as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wise women, stop using your body as a battlefield. Move from last place to first place in your life. Let's raise health together. Take the first step and visit npkhealthintegration.com for a free health questionnaire. Ready for more? Email me at npk at npkhealthintegration.com to learn more about classes and coaching. And let's start a conversation. Thanks for listening and taking this time for yourself. See you next time.